What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames. As always, I'm your host, Mo Murphy, uh, VP of the Off the Ball Network and host of the Up in Flames Sports Podcast. It's been a while. Um, you know, I know I kind of take these breaks, but life's kind of busy. So first off, first and foremost, I want to tell everybody, you know, all the good fathers out there, happy Father's Day. Uh, you know, we are recording this live on a Sunday, Father's Day and Juneteenth. So shout out to everyone. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Father's Day. I've uh, been out of the loop a little bit, you know, uh, been coaching, kind of letting the NBA finals play out, get get towards close to this NBA draft. I'm not much of a draft guy, but kind of let some of the offseason rumors roll. You know, before I kind of got back into things, um, it's going to be a long summer. We're going to do a lot of previews uh, of these divisions for the NFL with football season coming up. We're going to do, you know, tonight we're going to kind of talk about the, the Golden State Warriors winning the championship and, and a little bit of offseason rumors that we've heard up to this point. And I have my guy, Kenneth Cotterell of the Competitive Hedge podcast coming in. Uh, but before we do that, uh, here goes the intro. Warning. You are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames. Hold on, uh, check this go. We up in flames, yeah. Uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Woo. We up in, yeah, we up in flames. We up in flames. Once again, we are back here on another episode of Up in Flames. And I got my guy, Kenneth Cotterell, host of the Competitive Hedge podcast. Make sure you go follow him at Comp Hedge Pod. You see that here. If you're watching this live, uh, you, you see it there on his header. Kenneth, what's going on, bro? Not too much, man. Happy Father's Day to you. I know you're a huge golf guy, so you were definitely tuned into that U.S. Open finish today. How could you not? I mean, just... Just a great day in sports, but I mean, even looking to tomorrow, I'm like, man, we're starting to get into that time of year where it's just some baseball, and luckily we still got the Stanley Cup playoffs to kind of float us for a couple weeks here. Maybe a couple weeks. We'll see how well it goes for your Tampa Bay Lightning. Could be done in a few days here, but uh, yeah, just super excited to chat some NBA. The finals is over. Shout out to Golden State for taking home the title this year. Yeah, 100%. So before we talk NBA I don't want to dive deep in the NHL because you're not about to make me look stupid on my own show. But let's just, you know, for an update, uh, the Colorado Avalanche are up 2-0 on my Tampa Bay Lightning right now after a, I don't even, uh, ass whooping, you know, the other day, uh, 7-0 on Saturday night. So far up to this point in the series, what are your thoughts moving forward? Colorado handed, handled business at home. But now we're heading back to Tampa. What what are kind of your thoughts at this point uh, for, for the uh, Stanley Cup? I mean, Tampa's only had 39 shots through two games, which is abysmal for a team of this caliber. I mean, when you're not even putting up 20 shots a game, 
that you're going to run into some issues. The Avalanche have just bullied them. They they beat them with speed and, and power. And I mean, when it comes to this matchup, I'm not going to say that it's over because we saw the Rangers go up 2-0 on them. And then we're like, oh, okay, Tampa's done. And then they come back and win four straight. So I'm not about to do that again. Not that I did. I know a lot of other people did. But when you're the back-to-back cup champs, you can't rule them out at any point. And so We'll see if they can get it done tomorrow night. If they don't, the series is over. You're not going to beat a team of Colorado's caliber four straight. Do I think you can beat them four of the next five? I think there's a chance of it. So they got to get it done tomorrow night. They're at home. Vasilevsky needs to be a lot better too. He's kind of been your your rock that you've leaned on in the playoffs over the last couple of years, and he needs to show up in a big way. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, so, you know, I'm a very, 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 very casual Hockey fan, you know this. You know you're the Canadian guy. You love hockey. Um, I watch. I, I pretty much follow the Lightning. It, I might catch a regular season game here and there, uh, but even when I'm watching it, I don't have like my full attention. I might be on my phone and it's kind of background noise, kind of pay attention here or there. But I watch game one. I watch game one and game two. Uh, turn game two off because like when when it got down four zero, I'm like, okay, I know I watched this with game one, but we're not coming back. But when I watch game one. I found myself finding a new fascination for hockey because I'm literally sitting there and I'm fully engaged into the game. And I've been to multiple, you know, uh, I've told you about it. Hockey was the first professional sports game I've ever been to. Uh, Going to a hockey game, being in Tampa, you know, going to the Lightning, like that was the winning franchise. You know, we had the Orlando Magic down the road. We had Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but... The Lightning were the team to go see. The Rays, even at that point growing up as a kid, they were a team to go see. So I've seen the Rays and Lightning multiple times before I ever went to my first NBA game. But I found myself like watching and really paying attention and finding like I was fascinated with just the game of hockey. Like these guys are underratedly athletic. They're underratedly talented. And I just found myself like, man, what if that was me? And I'm like, bro, they're skating. You know, they're they're skating up and down the rink for, you know, 60 minutes, 20 minute periods, and they're just going. It's back and forth. The subs aren't happening during timeouts like we're accustomed to with the NBA and NFL. Like the subs, you're you're subbing in and out while in the in the while in the game, like while in the flow of the game, guys are coming in and out of the rink. So it was just one of those I've I really found myself like sitting paying attention. Um and with game one, I was under no influence, had no alcohol in my mind, so you can't blame it on the alcohol that I found myself fascinated. But even last night, it's just one of those, like, man, I'm starting to really like hockey, at least as a point, you know, for something else to watch when it comes to sports. Not much of a golf guy, really not big on baseball. I mean, I'll, I'll talk my noise if the Rays are good. If they're bad, I'm not engaged in baseball like that. So to be able to really sit down and watch, you know, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and pay attention it just gave me like, I don't want to say a newfound love for the game, but a very, very high respect for somebody who's a very casual fan. So shout out to the Lightning. Shout out to the Avalanche. Somebody's going to win the Stanley Cup. I hope it's the Lightning so we can be back to back to back uh, and be what? The first, what is it? The first team, if we were to win three in a row, we're the first team to win three in a row since when? I'm going to give you the floor on that. 
if I if I'm having to guess on this one, I don't know if you've had three straight since probably the Islanders in the in the 80s would be my guess. I'd have to go back and look that at sounds it. Sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure that was around the time. Like since like, like Gretzky didn't do three straight, Lemieux didn't do three straight, Crosby hasn't done three straight. Like th- this would be an incredible feat for this Lightning team, and that's why I keep talking about if they go three in a row, Vasilevsky's starting to get up there in all time goalies. You're starting to talk about Kucherov and Stamkos and other guys as potential Hall of Famers down the road. Like This is significant if they do get three straight. It's so tough to do it in hockey when you can just lean on a goalie sometimes and the best team doesn't necessarily win. That happened with Colorado last year. The fact that they got bounced when they did. Like This has been a team that's been building for years and now they finally got here. And the underrated toughness of hockey players. I mean, at the end of every playoffs, I know you see it too in the NFL and NBA where it's like, oh, this guy was playing with like a torn shoulder. But like in the NHL, you hear like this guy broke his leg and he's been playing for like a month. And you're like, oh my God. They're getting smacked against the glass and continuing. Like they're full speed, smacked against the glass, going for the puck. And and, and everything is full speed. You know, I I think hockey's a faster paced game than people realize. If you just sit down and watch it, and kind of take whatever bias you have or, or hate towards the game. If you're not a big fan, like I, like I challenge everybody listening tonight to just sit and watch game three and just, you know, if you're not a hockey fan, just sit there and watch it. I think you'll have a newfound respect because over the years, especially with joining the network and linking with guys like you and, and, and a few others who are big into hockey, it's kind of made me at least pay attention, even if it's on the betting end or whatever, like, when you bet on something, you're more willing to watch. But even for me, like with the Lightning being so good these past few years uh, and growing up going to Lightning games, like it's given me like a different perspective. And, and I always want to be in the loop on things. Like I don't want to hear y'all talk about the Stanley Cup and have no idea what's going on and just be like, oh, this isn't a conversation for me. So that's been a reason why I've paid more attention now. You know, uh, and, and no, like, like betting wise, like betting will make Russian ping pong seem interesting. Like that's just the way that it goes. Like you're a different type of better. So like, like you're gonna sit there and watch Romanian pickleball if it's on, just because you're like, well, I, I could throw some money on this. Like it, it just gives you like a, a different edge or hedge, I should say that, given my show. But yeah, yeah, it, it tune into Game Three tomorrow. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I challenge everybody to tune into that. But. Enough of my hockey expertise or lack thereof, however you want to look at it. I kind of gave Kenneth more the floor uh, talking hockey, but enough of my hockey expertise. We're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk about the game I love, uh, the game of basketball. And the Golden State Warriors, they hoisted the Larry OB trophy, the Larry O'Brien trophy. They are champs four times in the past eight years, six trips to the NBA finals in the past eight years. They're four and two when making it to the NBA Finals. So, Kenneth, I just, overall thoughts on this series, before we kind of get into the, I guess you could say the legacy topic that everybody has been entertaining, and I haven't entertained it as much just because it's kind of narrative-driven with that conversation. But, you know, when it comes down to Golden State winning their fourth championship, just give me your overall thoughts just on the Warriors versus Celtics series as a whole for the NBA Finals. I mean, Golden State just kind of beat them with their depth. And I think what was so tough about judging this Golden State team throughout the year was, are they just doing it because of the road that they've had? And and you can't, they can't control who's in front of them. But when you're playing a Denver team with just the MVP missing his two best co-stars, you're like, okay, they should beat them. 
Then they get Memphis. They were going to beat them anyways before Jaw got hurt, but Jaw gets hurt and you're like, okay, like, are they, are they really that good or is it just they're injured? You get Dallas, which should have been Phoenix if they didn't choke. Then you're like, okay, well, they beat Dallas. So they were a tough team to judge heading into the playoffs, which is crazy given the fact you just said this is their fourth title in eight years. So mm-hmm. knowing, I think what was so tough to judge was, okay, well, Clay hasn't looked like himself this postseason. Draymond, everyone kept calling him triple single because of the games that he was putting up. But they just they just manhandled them. They, they had too many guys. that They have too much depth. Um, we're, we're going to talk about probably a major what if later on, but you look at this bench core where they've got Jordan Poole and, and Gary Payton Jr. We haven't even seen James Wiseman, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kuminga. Like this is a team that is veteran driven, but also future driven with the amount of talent that they have there. They're probably going to lose Jordan Poole, but that being said, they could still potentially bring back Wiggins and run it back. So this Golden State team, they deserve to win the finals. Boston had too many stretches where they weren't hitting shots. And so it's a well-deserved championship for the Warriors. Yeah, and I fully agree. And, you know, we were having a lot of halftime conversations uh, going into the season last offseason. And I was very high on the Warriors. I wasn't predicting them to win the championship. But when we would talk about contenders, I was always wondering why, you know, a lot of our guys and just people, period, in those chat rooms weren't mentioning the Warriors, at least as contenders. Like, two teams going into the season I was very high on was the Golden State Warriors and the Chicago Bulls. Uh, one kind of failed. Injuries, a lot of things happened with the Chicago Bulls, but the Golden State Warriors went on to win the championship. And, you know, I think everybody had the hesitancy of, you know, we don't know what Clay's going to look like when he comes back and can Steph carry the team and, do we value Andrew Wiggins as even a good player? Is he above, under, you know, is he above average? Is he average? Um, is he less than average? So, and and nobody expected the emergence of Jordan Poole. Like, the, the kid has gotten better every year. But at the same time, like, did you see him being a six-man-of-the-year candidate? Had, had Clay been here all the, the whole time? Like, Jordan Poole is essentially probably win six-man-of-the-year. Uh, did you see that he could basically take over games night in and night out in the regular season and step in for clay. Like there's a lot of factors that we didn't see the minutes that Jonathan Kaminga gave you as a rookie throughout the regular season. Uh, we know Moses Moody was kind of balling in the G league. They kind of put him down to give him some reputable minutes. And like you said, I think that's more looking towards the future, but there were a lot of things that Golden State did and that we wouldn't have called while judging them, whether you thought they were future champions, borderline champions or, or what have you. Uh, preseason, but I was still high on the Warriors. I felt like with Clay coming back, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, I expected uh, James Wiseman to play. Obviously, he didn't play this year, but my expectation kind of going into the season was that James Wiseman would play, but these guys are champs, and this is a dynasty at the end of the day. Like, the two years that they didn't make the NBA Finals, we're talking about injuries like Steph was hurt and missed I don't know the exact number of games, but he missed so many games and sat out one season uh, because he had broke his hand. Clay Thompson hasn't played in the past two years. Draymond, one of those two years, you know, uh, last year had to basically carry the Warriors while Steph was out. And then they lost in the play-in. But the year before that, like, Clay was out. They lost Kevin Durant. Steph got hurt. Draymond was in and out of the lineup. And so a lot of people thought it was over. 
You know, a lot of people thought, like, even with this big three coming back, they're not going to – they might be competitive and can win a playoff series or two and maybe make a conference finals. But as far as hoisting up the Larry O'Brien, I don't think there were a lot of people that were very high on them. And that kind of leads to Steph won the championship. He won the finals MVP. And to, just to add juice on his successful season, he won the All-Star Game MVP as well. Like, that's not big for guys like you and me. We don't really care, but – that's just, you know, to sprinkle some salt. On to his yeah, sprinkle some seasoning on his successful season. He was in the MVP conversation prior to him hurt getting hurt anyways. Uh, so he had the ultimate success as an all-time great. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask the question. You don't have to give it to me 1 through 10 or whatever. Is Steph Curry a top 10 player? Has he solidified himself in your opinion if he wasn't already, is he a top 10 player all time in your opinion? I think that he is, but now we're starting to get to a point when we're talking uh, top 10 all time. Now we're starting to take guys out. And mm -hmm. like, I think the issue with this entire discussion and like, I'm guilty of it too. I tweeted out my top 10 list the other day. I put it on Instagram, whatever. I didn't care. Like I'll give my opinion where I see fit. That's the whole point of this podcasting thing. But when I look at this entire argument, like taking a guy out of the top 10 isn't a knock against them. If anything, it's just saying like, you were great. There's just someone who's surpassed you as far as greatness goes. And when we start talking about Steph, like you said, four-time title winner, he's a multiple-time MVP. Now he's got the finals MVP. He's also the best shooter of all time. And it's not it's close. It's like, not like, like th that's the thing. Like, I, I saw it and, and this is just classic. You scroll through Twitter, you see some dumb stuff. Like how can Steph be up there? But like, you don't have guys like Ray Allen who won titles and stuff. And it's like, because Ray Allen was never this light years ahead of everybody. As far as shooting goes, like Steph is it's here and he has one of the best shooters of all time in his backcourt. And he's down here in comparison. Yeah. Like, so Steph Curry, I think he moves into the top 10 and there's going to be debate of who do you take out? Like ever, it's a subjective argument. But to me, when you've got all these accolades, you now are the best shooter of all time, and you've been the best player on a championship team. Granted, we we I think we all feel like he was the best player on that first title team, but they didn't give him the award. Now he has that award, and so it's okay to just give Steph his flowers. Just because you're taking a guy off the list doesn't mean that like he wasn't great. Like oh my God, that guy's the 11th best player of all time. Like, that's a bad thing. Like, the NBA has been around for 75 years. So it's not a knock against these guys. But yeah, I do think Steph earned it um, the way that he played. For me, what sold me on it was that game. I think it was game four where, like, team looked – or was it game five where team looked dead in the water. He had, like, 43 and 10. I think it might have been game, game five. Game five. Like they looked like they were going to lose that game entering the fourth quarter. Like the, the momentum was with Boston and Steph put it on his back and said, no, like, like we're winning this game tonight. And to me, that's what solidifies it. A playoff performance like that, where you're at home, you're expected to win, but the other team brings their best stuff and you're still like, nope, I'm taking it from you. So th that's why I would put Steph in that top 10 category. And if you have him at 11, I'm not going to be like, wow, I can't believe you have Steph at, just outside the top 10, like whatever. It's completely up to you. It's what you value. Some people like to value championships or dominance or whatever it is. Everyone's got a different point of view on it. So 
uh, yeah, for me, at least in my opinion, Steph's top 10. Yeah, and so the argument I've had with people, even going into this season, whether he won the championship or not, was Steph, I, I would say was top 15, you know, consensus. I think a lot of people had him top 15 heading into this season, looking to, you know, give him reasons to climb up. But at the end of the day, like, here's how I look at it. Today, I think he's a top 10 player. But even if you don't, look at it 10 years from now. When a lot of other guys, you know, uh, careers close out, uh, the, the former players from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s, like, as their careers age, Steph Curry's career is going to age very well. And there's another guy who we're not going to get into, but I'm just saying, for example, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when we talk about said player, Russell Westbrook, when you're telling your kids and you're telling these young bucks who are 14, 15, 10, 15 years from now, that the achievements that Russell Westbrook had, like his career is going to age well, even without a championship. Like we're talking about a four-time, you know, average triple-double four times in his career. Like that's going to sound unbelievable. And then when kind of telling the, the, the legacy of Steph Curry, like, four-time champion. Maybe he, he might add another championship or two. We, we're not 100% sure. But even right now, if he retired today, 10 years from now, you're talking about two-time MVP, one first and only unanimous MVP, four-time NBA champion, one at finals MVP, won an all-star game MVP, went to multiple all-star all-star games, multiple all-NBA appearances. Like, when you start reading down the list, like, his career is going to age gracefully and you're going to top it off with saying... He changed the game forever, essentially. Like, Steph Curry and the way he played changed the game forever. And you see it with the kids nowadays. You see it with guys like Trey Young. Like, we're looking for the next Steph Curry, essentially. And we're valuing guys who are able to get their own shot and shoot the three at a deadly rate. And we're labeling these guys like, who's the next Steph Curry? The same way that, you know, five years ago, we're looking for the next LeBron at this point in time, we're looking for the next Steph Curry. Who is it? Like, those guys who could create their own shot and shoot the three ball at an effective rate, like, that's who we're looking at. Like, he's the next Steph Curry. So, therefore, we were looking for the next Jordan. You know, when Jordan left, we were looking for who was going to replace Magic and Bird when, when, you know, Magic and Bird retired. And, obviously, ultimately, it was Michael Jordan. But when Michael Jordan left, we're like, who's going to be able to adopt that play style and and take over who's going to be the next Jordan kind of turned out to be Kobe. Uh, but even while Kobe was doing it, we have LeBron James who was a high school phenom and the chosen one prior to either step in court, step a foot on a court in the NBA. And then like where's LeBron was so dominant for so long. We're like, who's the next LeBron. And we, we, we put that on Ben Simmons and we put that on Zion Williamson. And then Steph Curry comes along in 2015, I mean, he, he kind of was on the map before that. What he did was at Davidson was nothing to laugh at. Uh, was definitely incredible. But once he won that championship and he won that MVP and he put himself on the map, it's like, oh, Steph Curry could be the best player in the NBA right now. Now we're like, you know, since then, we're like, who's the next Steph Curry? And we're looking at Trey Young and guys like that. And we're like, who plays like Steph? Who's who's the guy who's going to fill Steph's shoes? You know, as Steph ages. And, and at this point, he's won four championships. So... I want to move on and I want to talk about some offseason stuff, essentially. Like, you know, we're going to give, we gave Golden State their flowers. We could dive deep uh, into the NBA championship and give everybody their flowers and salute to Andrew Wiggins 
uh, Clay Thompson and everything like that. But I kind of, you know, before we go, we're not going to have too, too long of a show. But I want to talk about some offseason stuff. There's rumors happening. Um, there's some rumblings about certain players are going to stay. Like, we think Zach Levine is going to continue to be a Chicago Bull. But we've had, like, a, a, a new thing come up where Bradley Bill could be a Laker. Uh, we know he's kind of announced, he said in a podcast, that he's made his decision, but he's not going to share his decision with the world. Was therefore means Bradley Beal knows what his next move is, but the rest of the world doesn't. And so let's just speak on the hypothetical that Bradley Beal wants to be a Laker. The price tag is not going to be that high for the simple fact. All you have to do is match salaries. It's a sign and trade. He very well could opt out of his player option completely and just become an unrestricted free agent, which is something people have to think about. Because they're like, there's no way the Lakers could get him, but it's one of those when it comes to salary, like if the Wizards, if he opts out of his player option, the Wizards have to get whatever they can in to accumulate losing Bradley Bill, or else they, they could lose him for absolutely nothing. So let's just hypothetically say he wants to be a Laker. It's not to me, it's not a coincidence that Saturday Bradley Bill says, I've made my decision. I'm not gonna announce it to the world, but I know what I'm gonna do. It's not a coincidence that Sunday there's a lot of Lakers rumbling. You wake up and you're kind of seeing Kevin O'Connor report that the Lakers are eyeing him and things like that. Uh, but I just don't, I don't believe in coincidences, especially with things like that. Like Bradley Bill says he's made his decision. And now all of a sudden there's a lot of reports that the Lakers are linked to Bradley Bill. Not a coincidence. Kenneth, you are a Lakers fan. The, the projected package is, Westbrook and two future first. And it's really because the Wizards are going to take on Westbrook's expiring contract for next year, get two future first round picks and not lose Bradley Bill for absolutely nothing and open up a lot of money for the books next year. We know there's not a high free agent destination, but you as a Lakers fan, if Bradley Bill was to put on that purple and yellow, what does that, what kind of expectation, what does that mean for you being a Lakers fan? I, I got to start by saying it being a Lakers fan, I can't say that it's exhausting because like we've had so much success, but it is exhausting to an extent when it comes to rumors like this, because when you are in the, the hotbed of LA, it, the same thing happens with New York, Miami, any of these big markets. A lot of it is they're the biggest fan bases. They're also where all the media markets are. So a lot of these rumors always seem to go back to New York, Miami, LA. Now, if there's any truth to this rumor and, and we're getting rid of Russell Westbrook, then I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely right. thrilled because to me, they're dead in the water moving forward with this current group. You can't sit there and constantly say, yeah, but when AD's 100%, okay, but he's 100% for 50 games, 60 at most, like that's not... That's not doable, and it was a couple of years ago when you could lean on LeBron to carry you for a regular season. He can't do that anymore, and you also don't have as talented of a role-player core as you did when you won the title. You know why you don't have that? Because you traded it all the way to the Wizards to get Russell Westbrook when you could have still had Westbrook or uh, Kuzma and KCP and Montres Harrell. Well, the Harrell thing, you're probably thankful now. Given given his, <laughs> yeah, you're thankful now given his situation. But we, we still don't have any perimeter defense, and, and that doesn't change with Bradley Beal. Now, that being said, 
Russ doesn't fit the system and Beal would be far more likely to fit in a system like that because what is he? He's just a scorer. Like he doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time, which means that you can let LeBron do his thing and, and probably what he's best at, which is passing the ball. So if that's all that it takes to get Beal, then yeah, I love it. I just, even when it's guys like Kevin O'Connor, I am always skeptical because of where we're at, of, of the market that we're in. And the amount of times that I hear he's going to the Lakers, this guy's going to the Lakers, this player's going to the Lakers. It's like, okay, but how many guys can we actually get? And then it, at the end of the day, we usually end up getting none of them. The only time that that's really happened was LeBron as far as a free agent goes. AD, we had to trade away our entire future to get it. So I'm hopeful. I, I would love to see Russ no longer be in the purple and gold, but I'm not holding out hope until until I see that notification from a from a Woj or a Shams that says, "Hey, this de- this is a done deal. This has happened. Do- We've crossed our T's and dotted our eyes, and this is who's going to be a Lakers." So maybe that's just me being a pessimistic fan after having to watch what I did all season and watching every single team drive <laughs> like it was a highway to the rim. So. I don't know. I I hope that it happens, but I'm not holding my breath quite yet. Yeah, and of course, like, I want to see Bradley Bill in a Miami Heat uniform. You know, that's free agent number one or however you want to look at it. He can opt in, but he's free agent number one. If I'm looking at Miami to improve on their list, I would love to have Bradley Bill, but Bill Bill makes so much sense for the Lakers for the now and the future because, like you said, I mean, we bring up the, the... you know, the injury history of, of Anthony Davis, but you look at it and if you look at it on the positive side, it's like if we're able to acquire Bradley Bill, not only are we good for the right now, but once LeBron retires in the next, what, we'll say two years or leaves the Lakers after next season, uh, depending on what happens, you know, with his son being able to go in, we, we, we don't know that situation. LeBron's a free agent technically after next year anyway, after next season. And so you look like, well, the future is bright. If I have Bradley Bill, I have Anthony Davis. We can add a third star to that core if Anthony Davis is a healthy player. So you look at, for the right now, that big three is a contender to win a championship. I won't say a surefire lock uh, based on injuries and LeBron only climbing up. He's heading into year 20, but they're contenders at the very least. And the future looks bright because Bradley Bill's 27 years old. So he's entering, to me, he's in his prime at this point. So for the next four to five years, we expect to get the best years of Bradley Bill. And so if he's able to do that in the Lakers uniform, then that could mean great things for the Lakers with LeBron and post-LeBron. Because if you have Bradley Bill and Anthony Davis, we all know any team can afford three stars. The money's only going up at this point. So when LeBron leaves, you feel like even if he was to leave after next season, you can add a third star and have that core of Anthony Davis, Bradley Bill, and whoever that third star may be uh, adding, I would assume, in free agency. So you're building now, but you also can build for the future with two two of your big three being entering their prime, being in their prime at this moment. Whether we think Anthony Davis can stay healthy or not, that's a conversation for another day. So we're, we're what, four days? You know, we're recording on Sunday, so we're four days away from the NBA draft. We're hearing a lot of rumors about teams wanting to move up. Uh, Jada Ivy, essentially, I think the first three picks, I don't know if the first three picks as far as who goes where is a lock, but I think the first three players 
are a lock in Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. Like, I think those are the first three guys off the board, no matter how they go in the order of one, two, and three, I think. But that's when the draft gets spicy is at pick number four, and there's a lot of teams because of that assumption that those are the three players taken off the board. You know, there, there's Jaden Ivey is kind of guy number four. Do you see... We'll say Jaden Ivey because he's kind of the impact guy at number four. The Sacramento Kings are picking at number four. But how much do you think that fourth pick has on free agency in a sense like a team might sacrifice signing a certain player in free agency? And there's plenty of names as free agents, but how important is that fourth pick to the offseason this year with some of the teams that we're thinking about that we're hearing could trade up and wanting to make that move to get Jaden Ivey. So to me, it seems like the fourth pick is very important to how shaky this offseason could get when it comes to free agency. I think it could make things a little bit shaky. I mean, if you would have asked me a month ago, is the top three locked in? Yes. Like, and I thought the order was locked in. I thought it was Smith's one, Chet's two, and Jabari Smith's three as far as like a Vegas betting odds goes on that, like that's completely shifted over the last uh, week or two. Um, now the odds on that have gone like significantly down for Jabari going at one. So it's like, wow, is Orlando really going to take a center at, at one when they really don't need one? Ivy to me, I still stand by the fact that I think he could slip in this draft, but I think he only slips if the order stays how it is. And, and as you said, we, don't know exactly which teams are moving up, which teams have fallen in love with him through this entire draft process. But looking at as far as team needs go, going four down the board, like there's not a lot of need for point guard in that area, given what these teams have. Because if you're Sacramento, you already have Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. So do you need another point guard? Now, that being said, it's also the Sacramento Kings. And did it stop them from drafting Tyrese Halliburton and then the year after drafting Davion Mitchell? No, it didn't. So there's a chance that that could happen once again. Detroit just got Cade. You've got Indiana who's got uh, Halliburton and Brogdon. Whether or not they're going to keep Brogdon, who knows? Portland, they got Lillard. So that's the that's the player to me that's the interesting one. And I do think that Sacramento goes off the board here and they go different. And then it throws complete and utter chaos into this entire process. Because when I look at this draft board, I think based off of need, New Orleans is the first team that probably needs a point guard, which means teams could be calling Portland or Indiana to potentially move up and snag Ivy. Obviously, New York's always the, t the team that we talk about when it comes to point guards because they whiff on point guard all the time, whether it's Kemba Walker or, or name the list of other point guards that haven't worked out in New York. So could that play a factor in whether the Knicks move ahead with a Julius Randle? It could. I still think that they should move forward with him regardless, but I I love draft night. I think it's one of the best nights of the year as far as NBA goes, for me at least. I love the entire draft process. And Ivy, yeah, that's it's an interesting one because once you get past Ivy, then it's like a complete, like you just have to go and look at any draft expert and they've got a completely different list. Like I like Shaden Sharp to be like, the fifth best prospect. And then I look at another board and some guys got him at 19 and I'm like, how the hell is he that far down the board? Like, what am I missing? And so I think it's free agency might not be as impacted near the top, but I think it definitely does. Once you starting to get to the teens, like 
You've got teams like Charlotte. We don't know what they're doing with the Miles Bridges. You don't know what Cleveland's direction is because they have a lot of young talent and they didn't have like Garland played, but they didn't have Sexton for a lot of the years. So who knows what they think that they need. Atlanta's in that range. And we've been hearing rumors of Gobert heading to the Hawks. So do we see some sort of trade so that way they can go and draft somebody that they like there? I think it's going to be a fascinating draft, though. There's there's a lot of good players in this draft. Yeah, and it seems to be one of those, like, a lot of these trade rumors are centered around the draft pick this year and where you're picking at. So yeah. we think the Knicks could move up. Maybe the we're, we're hearing the Knicks, the Pacers, uh, and multiple other teams could move up to essentially try and draft Jaden Ivey at number four because we think the three players are secured as far as Smith, Holmgren, and Ben Carroll. And so I think, like, the four pick, like you said, I mean, you you nailed it. Like, if the Kings stay stagnant at four and pick someone else other than Jaden Ivey, then from the fifth pick on, draft night could get kind of crazy because now teams like, okay, we got to trade up to five. We got to make these phone calls. We got to start having these trades in place over the next couple of days for all the what-if scenarios if Jaden Ivey is your guy. And it kind of seems like that's the guy that people are willing to trade up for. Nobody's really trying to move to that number one, two, or three because it seems like those one, two, or three are pretty much bad teams locked in on the guy that they want to get. Whether it's Jabari Smith, Ben Carroll, or Holmgren, you know, I think those top three teams are going to get them. There's not really a package that a team will be willing to trade for a rookie like that, let alone it seems like the draft starts with Jaden Ivey and pick number four uh, with the Sacramento Kings. So okay, I, I, there's I two teams. There's two teams that should really be kept an eye on in this draft. And they're probably the two worst teams in the Western conference. When you got Oklahoma city and you got Houston, who both have three first round picks in this draft, especially with Houston, just acquiring that pick for the Christian wood trade. Like do, does a Houston call and say, we'll give you 17 and 26. So we can move up into the top 10. Same could be said for OKC. They're sitting on 30 and they're sitting on 12. Well, maybe they want to package those together, move up into the top eight because they fall in love with the prospect. Because these two teams, they've stockpiled picks like crazy. So are they going to continue to have that one pick? Like OKC, let's say they get Chet at two and they get uh, Paolo at three to Houston. Okay, but you have an opportunity in this draft with these picks to move up and get a second guy like a second impact right away guy that can come in and actually change the trajectory of your franchise. Because if you look at Houston's roster right now, the only veterans that they have are John Wall and Eric Gordon. And both of those guys have been rumored already to get traded away. So if that happens, they've got a roster of 25 year olds and younger. So these are going to be fun teams to watch because they have these multiple picks. And if you're a team like Indiana, a team like Detroit, maybe even, a team like the Spurs where you're not trying to win right now, you could trade back. You could get multiple first round picks, maybe start to build a bit more of a balanced roster and and they have the ability to do so with these two teams at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, 100%. And so with the draft coming up, you know, like I said, I'm not a big draft guy as far as really breaking down prospects. Um, I love watching college basketball, but as far as breaking down what these guys will bring to the NBA level, um, that's not my cup of tea. I more so do that with football, uh, talking that, you know, I, I more so talk the NFL draft. I get a little more hype for the NFL draft as opposed to the NBA draft, but I know the, the significance and the importance of the NBA draft and what it could bring 
you know, essentially to how much it can shake up this offseason. So before we close out, I just wanted to pump out a, a, a quick show and kind of talk a little bit of NBA, give Golden State their flowers. It's been a minute, you know, with, with my busy schedule and, you know, you pumping out something pretty much every day uh, at this point. You know, you have a daily show with Competitive Edge. So just let everybody know where they can listen, follow you and, and keep up with your show and, and, you know, just kind of promote yourself. Definitely. You can go follow me on all social platforms at CompEdgePod. Uh, we do live shows every morning through the week uh, at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. And then on the weekends, we've been slacking a little bit on the weekends, but we've got some great guests lined up over the next number of months on the weekends. We're going to start doing more uh, NFL fantasy football stuff on the weekends because got limited schedule through the week. So you kind of just have to do your quick recap and bets you like for the day. But weekends is when I get to deep dive a little bit more. And I know this weekend recapping that NBA draft is going to be a hot topic. So uh, definitely you're going to want to tune into that this weekend. But Mo, it's always fun having me on this show. It's always great chatting with you and stuff. So I uh, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, 100%. I appreciate you for coming on. So once again, everybody, make sure you go check out the Competitive Hedge podcast anywhere you can listen to your podcast and make sure if you're watching this live, as you see on his header, where you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, as for myself, make sure you go check out at Up in Flames Pod on Instagram at Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter. Uh, check out Up in Flames Pod. If you're a new listener, I appreciate you for tuning in. If you're an old listener, as always, y'all have dove in on this journey with me as far as covering sports, but make sure you could, you tune in to up in flames anywhere. You can get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, you know, whatever else. Make sure you subscribe to Substack. you know, up in flames on Substack, upinflamespod.substack.com. Make sure you, you check that out. That's where I post all my shows. Make sure you uh, follow the up in flames pod on, on YouTube. Jeez. I'm, I'm slurring my words here a little bit, but make sure you, Follow Up in Flames Pod on YouTube as well. Um, this show is airing on YouTube as well as everywhere else. So I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for listening. And on that note, Up in Flames is out.